0: that song that she sang. So in John chapter 1, this is probably the most unusual Christmas message that you will ever hear. It's the most unusual that I've ever preached, but for those of you who haven't been here for the last three weeks, um, I had this idea about a month and a half ago that we have four Sundays before Christmas Eve. We have four gospel authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and so I knew that there were some differences in the gospels, not contradictions, I want to point that out. But there were differences in style and things that each, each gospel author emphasized. For example, Matthew emphasized Jesus as the king of the Jews. He talked about him, Jesus, God's salvation, Jesus from Joshua, God's salvation. Talked about the Messiah, the anointed one. Talked about the son of Abraham, the son of David. So Matthew primarily was the gospel, the good news to the Jewish nation. And Then Mark came along, and Mark didn't have a genealogy because he presented Christ as a servant of God, and his gospel was for all of the people who were subservient, all the people who were not regal, they were not kings, they were not uh, people of import, and he was showing them that the gospel was for them too. And then came along the gospel last week of Luke, and Luke showed Christ as a man, Not only God, but as a man. And so it had a genealogy because all of us have genealogies. And it showed him that the predominant phrase and title for him in the Gospel of Luke was the Son of Man. The Son of Man, I used to think, sounded, you know, that's just, he's totally human. And, you know, is that a really good term? But the son of man was actually a title of deity, uh, but it was identifying as, uh, as a human being. So he's for all people everywhere, even the Jews, even the servants, everybody. So how does John portray him now? Uh, there's some significant difference in the account here in the, in the, in the gospel of John. In fact, in, in many Bible courses in Bible colleges, and some of you in Bible college probably would remember this, and uh, chaplains and so on, that you have the synoptic gospels. Synoptic means summary, so you have the summary Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then you have John. And in the harmony of the Gospels, if you have one, quite often it'll have, it'll have that division. Synoptic Gospels on this side, John on this side. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's account kind of woven all together because they all emphasize different parts and different aspects of the same coming. Then you have John's gospel that interjects all kinds of different things. And so, in some ways, John's gospel is much loftier than the other two, uh, the other three. It's more elevated in tone, and it, its viewpoint is more exalted. In some ways, it's almost the opposite of, uh, of Luke because Luke emphasized his personhood, the fact that he was a human being. This gospel is, is uh, unveiling his deity. I had a guy one time, he was. Um, 80, Ruthie's granddad, I think in his 80s, and uh, and he was a, 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 an unbeliever at 80-some years of age, and my uh, one of the ladies and one of the girls really in our church said, would you please go talk to my grandfather? I love him so much, and I don't think he's a Christian. I don't think he believes, and I went and talked to the, to him. He's a great gentleman. We had a great talk, and I started talking to him about the Lord, and I asked him if he was a believer in Jesus Christ, and he shared with me that He would, you know, he thought it was a great thing, but he wasn't really a believer because he couldn't believe that someone who was born uh, as a human being could also be God. And so uh, it it just came to me. I don't know if I'd heard it somewhere at some time or what, but it came to me, and, and I said to him, Would you do me a favor? Would you read the Gospel of John? Would you read it completely through? Just read it completely through. It's, it's, it won't take you a real long time, but just read the Gospel of John. And he did that, and a few days later, I called him back. I said, have you read the Gospel of John? He said, yes, I have. And I, I went by to talk to him again, and I said, would you like to trust Christ as your personal Savior? He said, yes, I would, because John revealed him not only as a human being, as man, but also as God, and he became a part of the family of God by being born again. And you don't get to be part of the family of God by joining, by, by filling out a card, and, and all of a sudden it makes you a Christian. You become part of the family of God by being born again. And that's the phraseology we find in the Gospel of John. It's not found in Matthew. It's not found in Mark. It's not found in Luke. It's found in John. You must be born again. So we're born in the family of God. Are you part of the family of God? I hope you are. And if you're not, I hope you will be before you leave. So let's look at John chapter 1, first chapter, and I'm just going to read the first 14 verses and comment as I go. In the beginning, and I want you to know that Jesus is the one, we're going to find out here, who created time, space, and matter. Time, space, and matter. And he was already existing. And the Father was already existing. And the Holy Spirit was already existing. There was no need for time for God. Time controls us. Time influences us. We have a new calendar. We're giving away to everybody who wants the calendar. We've got a whole year before us. We have a year now behind us, 2017, almost coming to an end. God is absolutely unaffected. I I try to use an illustration. It's kind of like there's the past, there's the present, there's the future. God's up here somewhere. He's not controlled by any of it. We are. We change day by day. We get older. Uh, Things happen to us. We change, but he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So here, in the beginning, Jesus being the one creating time, matter, and space was the word. And the word is not a simple word, small W-O-R-D. It is Logos. It's a title. It's a name for Jesus Christ. Logos literally means intelligence, and it's with a capital here. So he in the beginning was the word and and this is the name for the second person of the godhead this is a name for the second person of the godhead the lord the, the son and the word was with god jesus logos was with the father and the word was god literally in the greek it says god was the word god was the word so it's it's in translation it, it, the word was with god the, and the word was god but in the original it's god was the word the same was in the beginning of creation, not at the beginning of God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. The whole of everything that there is were made by him, brought into existence by him, and without him was not anything created that was made. The Godhead was the genesis, in other words, of all creation. Now, that's not all. Not only was he creator God as the son of God, but in him was life, John said, And, and usually this word refers to physical existence. You and I have life this morning. But it's also used in opposition to death and ceasing to exist. So in him was life. If you're in Christ, you may never die. Your body may be in repose, but you, the essence of you, will never die. This was on the radio today, and the guy, uh, that Jesus Christ show, which I can't figure out if I like it or not, but uh, he was talking about the soul. And he's talking about, like, if you're in a car and your car dies, you're not dead, but the car's dead. And so the body that you're in may die, but you're not going to die because the real essence of who you are will go to be with the Lord. So uh, here he is. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. It's figurative in that Jesus illuminates every one of us. And the light shined in darkness. And again, this, the darkness is a, a figurative, um, a, a fallen, awful place, uh, a sad place, and a place of unhappiness and ruin. And the darkness comprehended it not. In other words, didn't pick, take possession. The light dispelled darkness. Darkness cannot dispel light. That's why when you have a candlelight in an otherwise completely dark room, there will be light, even though most of that room is engulfed in darkness. The darkness is enabled to put out light, but light can chase away darkness, and in him was life, and he was the light of the world, and the light shined in darkness, and the darkness couldn't overcome it, and there was a man, Anthropo, a, anthropo, a human, sent forth on a mission from God whose name was John. John, by the way, means Jehovah given. Uh, God has been gracious. It was foretold that there would be a forerunner of Christ, and that's, that was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness or certification of the light that all men through him might believe, have faith, and have trust. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light that he was the true light, formed, conformed to the truth, unable to lie, that lights every person that comes into the world, into this cosmos or the universe that we know about. Uh, he was in the world, and the world was made by him. But listen to this. The world knew him not. He was in the world. The world was created by him. But the world knew him not, didn't understand who he was. He came unto his own, his own people, his own nation, the Jewish people. And they received him not. But, by way of contrast, to those who received him, took him near to themselves, in other words, to them gave he the power, Exusa, which combines two words to mean the right and the might. To them gave he the power, the right and the might, to become the child of God of God, female or male. It says sons of God. It means they're male or female to be the children of God, even to them that believe, have faith on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word logos was made flesh and dwelled amongst us, and we behold his glory. And the word there for glory is doxy, which we, the word we get doxology from uh, and, and it's the glory of the only begotten, the one of a kind of the Father, full of grace, that which imparts joy, pleasure, gratification, favor, acceptance, and all of that, and truth, verity, and reality. So Jesus Christ, in the beginning, was the Word. Word was with God. Word was God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him also was light, and light was the or life rather, and life was the light of the world. Christ is the God. Christ is the God. He was a human being, had a human body, but he had, and he had a human mother, but he had a divine father. So he's special. He's the only begotten. No one else has ever entered the world that way. No one else will ever enter the world that way. So right away John's gospel takes off. No genealogy because God doesn't have a genealogy. He doesn't have a pedigree. He doesn't have a mom and dad. Now Jesus had uh, the Father, but I mean, the uh, God Himself, the concept of God. Uh, It it needs no genealogy. John is the only one of the four gospel writers who talks about his pre-existence, his eternal existence. He talks about the first unveiling of the miracles, uh, the turning water into new wine, not fermented. Uh, He talks about uh, dwelling with God before time began. He talks about, uh, here is the only begotten of the Father, the Son of God. Uh, He talks about, uh, he said things like, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. They misunderstood what he was saying. He was talking about destroy this body, and I will raise it up again. They thought he meant the temple that they worshiped in. It's here that we learn that Christ declared, as the Father raises up the dead and quickens them or makes them alive, even so the Son of Man makes alive whom he will. Now, look, a mere man couldn't make another man alive, right? God the Father can make another man alive, and Jesus says here in his own words, I can make a man alive alive because he is God. It's here we find him affirming the fact that he is the bread of God coming down from the heavens, which gives life to the world. Bethlehem means house of bread. And Jesus was the bread of life. And man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I mean, he is the word. He is bread. He is everything you need. In him, we find things like this. Before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham, they, they went back to Abraham as their father, the Jewish nation. He said, Before he ever was born, I already was and have been and always shall be. I and the Father are one. In chapter 10, verse 30. He that hath seen me has seen the Father. I mean, this is this whole gospel is chalked full of declarations of deity of Jesus Christ. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. What man could make that promise to you? It's here he says, and now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self and with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Now there are some things that are not found in the Gospel of John that are found in the other Gospels. For example, things omitted from John's Gospel. No genealogy, we mentioned that. No account of his birth because God didn't have a beginning, okay? Okay. No, attempt, no mention of Herod's attempt to slay the child. Nothing about the flight into Egypt when Herod was going to put him to death. Nothing about the subsequent return to Galilee. Nothing about the boy Jesus, 12 years of age, teaching in the temple. Nothing about uh, the years spent at Nazareth. No hint of what he did at the carpenter's bench in the home of his stepdad, Joseph. There's no description of his baptism because baptism is a submitting to the Lord. It's a self-humiliation. And, and, and in the other Gospels, uh, he was conforming to what Christians ought to do and what we ought to be as, as, as in condescending grace. But here, God, he is, as God has already fulfilled all righteousness, he doesn't have to say anything about that. He says nothing about the temptation in the wilderness. Nothing about it. Because God cannot be tempted. And in fact... Most theologians theologians teach that he wasn't tempted in the other gospels in the sense of trying to get him to do wrong. He was tested. There's a difference. That word temptation can mean tested or it can mean being tempted to do something. Satan is obviously capable of tempting us to do something wrong, but God tests us. And so it was a test and he passed the test. He proved himself faithful to his father. There's no account of his transfiguration because God is always God. There's no appointing of the apostles uh, and sending them out two by two and, and, and the 70 and so on because all power is given unto him and he is the one who accomplishes all things. Never once is Christ seen praying. Now you're going to find some, you're going you're to say, wait a minute, John 17, the, the high priestly prayer. But the word used uh, instead of prayer is erotus, which means speaking as to an equal. In Matthew and Mark and Luke, he, is, he, is, he voluntarily subordinates himself to the Heavenly Father. In John's gospel, he is equal and equivalent to the, the Father and the Holy Spirit. So when Matthew says, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went to a mountain to pray. And Mark says, he departed the mountain to pray. And Luke says, he was alone praying. John says the very same thing this way. He departed again to the mountain himself alone. And he stops there. John 17, he said things like, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. See what I'm saying? He's speaking as an equal. You glorify me. I glorify you. That's the way it works. In the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we are one. And and Father, I will that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am. He spoke to the Father as an equal. We never read in John's gospel of the coming of the Son of Man, but instead we read about in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare, I will come again and take you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He wasn't talking about an earthly kingdom that the other gospels were talking about. He was talking about a heavenly kingdom. I made a phone call yesterday to a guy who is in serious physical situation right now, and he said, He said, Pastor, I need to ask you a question. He said, "Uh, when we die, what happens? And I was able to tell him. He said, do we just go to sleep? He said, I read somewhere that we just go to sleep. I said, you know what? The body is in repose. It looks as if the body is asleep. It looks as if maybe that body could wake up, and maybe those eyes could open, and maybe that person could speak to you, but the body is dead. But to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We don't have to soul sleep for a 1,000 years or 100 years or 10 minutes. We close our eyes. We breathe our last breath. We are in the presence of Almighty God in heaven. That's what he thought. That's what God is concerned about. We never find the word repent in the Gospel of John. That's an amazing thing. Because, you know why? Because repentance, here as God, he's more concerned about giving life, making that which is dead alive. The other gospels talk about forgiveness. There's no word forgive here, but rather, uh, for example, in Matthew 9, the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, um, but as the Son of God, he bestows eternal life. There are no parables found in the Gospel of John. Isn't that amazing? We had a whole series on parables. We we only got a part of them uh, preached on, but there are no parables in the book of John, and that's because, Uh, the, the, The parables were given to know the mysteries of heaven, but to them it's not given. Therefore, speak I, Jesus said, to them in parables, because they seeing not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. But in the Gospel of John, he was clearly telling them, I am God. Trust me. I am God. In John's Gospel, there's no mention of demons, but we do have the devil spoken of, and we have the son of perdition, and Judas talked about. There's no account of Christ's ascension, because Christ is, as the Son of God, and God the Son, omnipresent. So those are some of the differences. The positive features in the Gospel of John is the titles of Christ are very significant. We find them as the Word. We find them as the Creator. We find them as the only begotten of the Father. We find them as the Lamb of God, only in John's Gospel, as the Lamb of God. That's what John said. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. We find here that, that beautiful title, I Am, do you realize when they came to get him in the garden, when the soldiers came with their spears and swords and they came to take him, to crucify him, that's what was going to happen? Do you realize when they said, We seek Jesus of Nazareth, and all he did was say, I am, and the force of, that, of those two words, I am, caused him to fall down backwards? He could have called legions of angels, he could have struck them all with blindness like Elijah the prophet of the Old Testament did. He could have struck them all dead. But he didn't, because what he did, he did voluntarily. But here, he is the I am. And as we read, as we read through the gospel of John, he is, I am the bread of life in chapter 6. I am the light of the world in chapter 9. I am the door in chapter 10. I am the good shepherd also in chapter 10. I am the resurrection and the life in chapter 11. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me in chapter 14. I'm sorry, there is no other God but the one true God. God in three persons, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He is the only way into heaven. I am the true vine. Chapter 15, the deity of Christ is prominently revealed. As Christ says, verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of who? The Son of God. And they that hear shall live. He would ask questions like, do you believe in the Son of God? And he said, 35 times in the Gospel of John, he refers to God as my Father. 25 times in the Gospel of John, he says, verily, verily, which means truly, truly. In other words, I cannot lie. The Bible tells us God is not a man that he can lie, emphasizing his own deity. That is an area that I don't often get into with numerology, because numerology, a lot of it is kind of weird, study of numbers. But the number seven is the number of perfection in the word of God. There were seven days uh, in the whole creation week. Six days he worked. Uh, one day he rested. But, uh, but the seven different people avow the deity of Christ in this gospel. John the Baptist does it first in verse 34 of chapter 1. Nathaniel does it in verse 49 of chapter 1. Peter does it in chapter 6 in verse 69. The Lord himself says uh, that in, in, in chapter 10 verse 36. Martha, number 5 and said, you are the Christ, the Son of God, who should come into the world. Chapter 11, verse 26. Thomas, remember Thomas? Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And he wasn't just using God's name in vain. He was bowing down to him and recognizing, you are my Lord and my God. And the seventh one is John, the author of this gospel himself. And as he closes this whole book, he says... These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. There's another, and that's not the only bunch of sevens here. But Again, I don't want to go to seed on this, but, but there are, there, there are uh, seven different people. Confirm the deity of Christ. There are seven times he says, I am. There are seven miracles performed. Seven times he says, these things have I written unto you that believe. Seven times Christ addressed the woman at the well. Seven times in John 6, Christ spoke of himself as the bread of life. Seven things we read in the gospel of the good shepherd doing for his sheep. Seven things Christ says about his sheep in John 10. And it goes on and on and on again. I got can't, I can't, I can't all this stuff. I can't get it all in. And then we see man's futile attempt to end his life. You know, the other gospels talk about the fact that that people despised him and rejected him and hated him without cause. But, But only in John's gospel do we find out why they weren't able to do him in earlier. For example, in John 7.30, Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him because his hour was not yet come. You remember reading in the Scriptures in the Gospel of John how that he was in the midst of them and he was teaching and preaching and saying things and, and they would become they incensed and they wanted to put an end to his life and they'd go to grab him and all of a sudden he was gone? That's the reason they couldn't put an end to him. These words spoke Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple and no man laid hands on him. Why? Because his hour was not yet come. Now I am going to say something. The pictures of Christ on the cross are are some of the most profoundly sad things and some of the most horrific things you can ever imagine but let me tell you something Christ the Lord was not a helpless victim of an angry mob What he suffered he suffered voluntarily The enemy might roar against him, his emissaries might thirst for his blood, but there was not a thing they could do without his cooperating. And the Bible says in the Gospel of John, my life is that I, he said, no man takes my life from me, I lay it down myself. None of us can say that. None of us have control. There Something might happen to us on the way home on the freeway, and and, and our life may be gone. We can't say, I will determine that. And even people who attempt to take their own lives don't necessarily succeed always by the grace of God, by the way. If you ever get to that point, call me. Day, night, I don't care what. If you ever get to that point, don't do it. You don't do it. I have power to lay it down, he said. I have power. Nobody said this. I have power to take it up again. No one's going to determine when I die. And by the way, P.S., when I do die, I'm going to be able to come back alive again when I say so. Nobody's ever done that before. They said he saved others, let him save himself. Guess what? He did, but he didn't save himself from the cross, he saved himself from the tomb. The count of his passion is remarkable, but hey, that I had a picture for years. Uh, you've seen it of Christ. In, the, in Gethsemane, someone's you know concept of Christ praying in, in the garden of Gethsemane. There's no picture of his agony in Gethsemane. There's no there's no quoting of if it's possible let this cup pass from me. There's no bloody sweat in John's gospel. There's no angel appearing, Peter to comfort him and strengthen him. Uh, there, there's no seeking of companionship from his disciples in the garden. Why can't you pray with me? Why can't you pray? Stay away. Uh, there was no compelling of Simon to bear his cross. There was no mention of the three hours of darkness and The reference made to that awful cry, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's not found in the Gospel of John. doesn't mean it didn't happen. It happened, and other authors wrote it in Matthew and Mark and Luke, but it didn't write it in John. There's nothing said of the spectators taunting the dying Savior. There's no mention of the insulting challenge of the rulers to descend from the cross. There's no mention of of any of that. No word is said about the rending of the veil in the temple between the holy place and the holy of holies. All of this because he's the son of God. John says nothing about him eating food after the resurrection. I'm kind of sad about that. Told you about that last week. but Because he was God. None of this mattered. He was God no matter what. Christ's dignity and majesty are seen amidst his humiliation. When he said, whom seek ye? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am. And they fell down backwards to the ground. They were gambling for his coat without a seam, his robe without a seam. Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished. That's when he was ready. And John is the only one of the gospel evangelists to record the Savior's triumphant cry. It wasn't a, it is finished. It was a commanding general, admiral, whatever, it was a commanding, it is finished with authority and with power. And that's why when the soldiers came to him, they didn't bother breaking his legs as they did to hasten the death of people who were being crucified before the Sabbath because he had already died because he said, okay, it's time now. And as God, I will die. God who cannot die, died. closing verse of this gospel is in perfect keeping with the character and scope of the rest of it because only here do we read these words and there are also many other things which jesus did the which if they were to be written every one i suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written